A few years ago, one of my longtime mentors said to me over the phone, Christina, since you've moved to New York, you have become more and more arrogant. <laughs> I took that in. And then I shared it with my mom a few days later. And my mom replied, I am so glad she told you that. <laughs> Because if I would have said it, you would have not listened to me. Today's parable is about... <laughs> Humility and hospitality, what love looks like. And as you practice humility and hospitality, if you're content to be yourself, you'll become more than yourself, it says. When I first heard this parable, I thought of a couple in Michigan I know. The husband reminds me of water. He has a stillness to him that lets other people relax and expand when they're around him. People feel more themselves when they're around him because he's so comfortable in his own skin. He creates plenty of space for the people to be who they are. He listens more than he talks. He is a person who is content to be himself, relaxed about who he is without expectations about what you will give him in return. And so he becomes a conduit to be more than himself, as the scripture alludes. So there's room for grace and love and God to be present. Room for more than himself. The wife in this couple chose the color yellow to paint their house intentionally because she felt like if you saw the color yellow, you would experience welcome and hospitality. And every Christmas Eve, they set out their best blue floral dishes inherited from her grandmother with their red glass goblets and invite everyone from their congregation who does not have a place to go on Christmas over for dinner. And at every church potluck, the husband George will be the last to go in line. He is seeking out everyone who feels lonely or wants to be heard. And if people get behind him in the potluck line, he'll gently move to the back so he's last. Sometimes when I visit them, I get in their dusty brown Buick that George mostly uses around the blueberry farm and on the occasional trips to the tractor supply store. And there is a food wrapping in the passenger seat. And I say, what's this? And he casually says it's from the hitchhiker he picked up near the Meyer grocery store because he wanted to get him something to eat. George is the pastor of my childhood church. And because George was the pastor of my childhood church, he's the writer I heard the most growing up. And I would drive back my senior year of college over an hour to hear him preach when I was full of anxiety and feel full of uncertainty of what I would do next. And I would hear his metaphors and prose but I really wanted to feel the presence of his faith. I told him a few years ago, you know, you could be published. And his face squinted and he shook his head no without a verbal response. 
He's a man of few words but during the week, but on a Sunday morning, a gentleness, an intuition, and a passion emerges from him on the pulpit. And a God of love and not of judgment is what people come to hear. Because I lived across the street from the church, I would slip in as a seven, eight, and nine-year-old in the last pew when I thought no one was watching and watch countless 1980s weddings and funerals. And one of the most common quotes that he would say at a funeral of a beloved rural southwestern Michigan person is everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. That was King, Martin Luther King. Going back to my initial dialogue with my mentor, where, I sh- where she shared that I was arrogant and that I, and then I relayed that to my mother, um, my mother's response was very Midwestern. She, in, mid- in the Midwest, you can say as much by what you don't say. You aren't supposed to be direct in my family, that would be considered rude. So when my mother said to me, I'm glad your mentor told you that, in reference to my arrogance, she was saying, this isn't our family, this isn't our faith, and it isn't our values to be arrogant. But nothing, oh nothing, in New York City (laughs) teaches humility. One of my first interviews after grad school was at CBS News. And I remember after the interview, the person called my, the career counselor and said, she's not New York enough. She's not confident enough. She's not direct enough. And she might not even know directions to CBS News. I made that up. I just, I did that last part. I'm not sure what she meant. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert says that the word that most describes New York City is achieve. Everyone is driven here on mass levels to be achieve the highest. Don't just be an actor. We'd like you to be an actor on Broadway. You're not just going to be a parent, but could you be a parent and work 80 hours a week at work? Don't just write for artistic expression. No, we would like you to have that book deal, then a bestseller, then have it on Netflix and go to the Emmys. You not only need an Instagram account, but you need thousands of followers and high engagement. In the parable today, Jesus is saying, don't just go to the dinner party and sit at the seat of the highest honor, but choose the place no one wants to sit, the only place left, and it'll feel much better if you sit there than you have to move for somebody else. Don't walk around with your nose in the air or you will fall flat on your face. But if you're content to simply be yourself, you'll become more than yourself. Jesus turns to the host, the next time you invite someone to dinner, don't invite just the people you know and you want a favor. It's not about getting something in return or climbing the ladder of status. Invite people who don't get invited out and you'll experience a blessing. They won't return the favor, but the favor will be returned to you. Oh, how it will be returned with the resurrection of God's people. The resurrection of God's people. To me, that is not about the afterlife. It is about the now. People rise up into who they're called to be in spaces that feel like water, where they can feel like they are exactly who they are, 
They can float and not perform. In spaces where it's not about proving your success or your worth, but spaces where you already feel a love like water holding you. If you're content to simply be yourself, you'll be more than yourself is a phrase that kept coming to me all week because so many of us have had parents that told us we were not quite good enough at six or seven or eight. Some of us had churches that told us that as well. Some of us have bosses or supervisors that instill that idea as well. Some of us from a young age, gender was fluid or our sexuality was not the kind honored by our culture, so we closeted parts of ourselves. And as I continue to learn for people of color who are living every day in the culture of white supremacy, they have to make decisions all day about how fully themselves they can be or hide parts of themselves so they can feel safe. We're all told stories in, in we all hold stories in our bodies of where we aren't accepted at tables. From childhood kitchen tables, junior high lunchrooms, dating at New York restaurant tables, or boardroom tables. Luke uses this metaphor as a metaphor for the kingdom of God. This meal is to show a vision as the world intends it in contrast to the world as it is. In a world that God can, intends, we're all comfortable being ourselves and we don't have to elbow our way to status. I borrowed Jackie's title of this sermon from the theme of this summer, This Is What Love Looks Like, because I thought if I had the word humility in it, every New Yorker would say, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I'd never get to work on time if I waited for everyone to get in front of me on the subway. And I need to get ahead, people. This is a town where you have to speak up for yourself. But I wanna be clear that Jesus was not talking about being walked on. Jesus was not a pushover. Humility is not synonymous with weakness or being treated like a doormat. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. In returning to the truths in this week's lectionary scripture, becoming more of your authentic self, I remembered what Danita Branham said to me years ago that repeats in my mind and in my heart about this sacred place. She said to me at Middle Collegiate Church, people become more of themselves here. And when she said that, a chill went through my spine because I have become more of myself here and almost everyone I know who truly plugs into this place and serves does as well. I overheard a conversation between WPIX Channel 11 news reporter interviewing Graham Bridgman for a piece on religion and the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots here at Middle Church in June. And Graham said a sentence that stayed with me. He said, I hadn't heard that God loved me as a queer person before I came in these doors. It gave me chills in my body when I heard him say that. Graham is one of nine of us who are either in seminary or completing seminary and seeking ordination from this place. And no matter if you're in seminary or if you're just a minister in your everyday life, because that's who we're all called to be without ordination, God is using us to serve everywhere. This congregation was one of the only congregations that opened its doors for funerals with those who died of AIDS in the 1980s. And still every Monday, there is a free meal that started the 1980s for those with AIDS 
and continues now for every person in the community. In this place, there is a sacredness in the DNA, a legacy that you shape and I shape, and we all shape together. And there are many times in our world where there's absolutely no humility and no hospitality displayed. And the quest to be our authentic selves in service of the divine must be an internal journey. Ruby Sales, a civil rights icon, was recently talking to Jackie Lewis for their new podcast, Women Talk God. And Mama Ruby says, what black people were saying about black folk religion, a spirituality that emerged from both those enslaved and the generations of African-Americans in this country, she was saying what black people were saying is, look, we're enslaved, I cannot control what happens to my body, but I can control my inner life, and you will not make me hate you. You will not allow the poisons that I see to exist in you. It will not infiltrate me. I will not allow that to happen. This is where I draw the line. You will not invade my inner life. So that black folk religion was really a religion predicated on the belief that although I am enslaved and I have, I have power over my inner life, do you understand the spiritual discipline and the spiritual genius that took, Mama Sales said, end quote. Mama Sales has me wondering about how we bring the consciousness of spiritual genius into the world now. How do we make a discipline of our inner life a priority as we navigate forgiveness, as we navigate a yearning for status or approval or racism in our everyday lives? A middle member called me a few weeks ago furious about the injustice in the world. And at the end of the conversation, I invited her to do two things. When I said, every week or every month, choose one thing to be a part of the solution, whether it's a prayer, a letter, a volunteering, or a check, your energy matters, and it is a way to serve, and then let go of the outcome. And then I said, please, please consider doing 30 seconds or three minutes or 30 minutes, whatever you want, to feel connected to the source greater than you so that anxiety and fear aren't the conversation always on repeat in your mind. And on any given Sunday, even today before you leave today, greet someone before they see you. So often in life, we want to be seen first. We want to be greeted first. But go to the person who you might not ever invited them to brunch or to eat behind this beautiful wall and sit next to someone you don't know to hear their story. My same mentor who told me that um, I was arrogant said, humility is the key to freedom. The real power, that's the real power. It's having so much confidence in your authentic nature that you can do whatever is needed in the moment, knowing that there's nothing in it for me, living with great equanimity. The quest to be our authentic selves is a lifelong journey. Carolyn Mace writes, when you do not seek or need approval, you are the most powerful. And that is hard not to want approval or status. That's where spiritual practices come in, of both service and meditation. The couple in the beginning of my sermon, they are my parents. Service and humility is how they live. May we all seek 
to be more like water. The presence of water so that others may relax, expand, and become more of who they're called to be in our presence. When each of us are given the opportunity to be our authentic self, that is when the resurrection of the human spirit happens in the here and now. Amen.